Amy, and I'm so excited to welcome you to Big Fish Little Pod, a new podcast with Bob Hollis. If you don't already know, Bob Hollis is my dad, and this podcast was really inspired by the conversations he and I get to have each week. My dad really wants Big Fish Little Pod to be an interactive experience where you're not just hearing what he has to say, but also sharing your responses and reflections. I'll get more into how you can do that at the end of the podcast. But first, we hope you enjoy this episode about living life as the loudest voice in the room and how keeping our thoughts to ourselves can sometimes be the best strategy. Welcome back to Big Fish Little Pod. If you remember the last podcast, we talked about identity and it's specifically our Christian identity in a world that that looks at that in a whole lot of different ways. A spectrum, we said. I had one friend that that talked to me and said, I think that maybe you've forgotten that the spectrum continues even with your conservative religious friends. Because sometimes as you talked, it seems like you lumped all your conservative friends into one little package. I took a look at that and said, oh man, I do have a tendency to lump all my conservative Bible-believing Christian friends into one category. And that category is very much influenced by my negative experience at one Baptist church, specifically when I was growing up. Obviously, there are conservative Christians who are judgmental and who are very quick to send you to hell. There are also conservative religious Christians who are nothing but filled with love and compassion for you as a person and for your soul, for eternity, and for your life in this very moment. And there's a huge spectrum between that. And I share that, one, because it's going to be the foundation of where we're going to go today, and two, because we really do want your feedback. Today, I I just would like us to think about the people who influence us on our journey. So I want you to think today about the people who have positively offered you something that that helped you learn, grow, move, um, be supported, um, support others, be challenged, but helped you in your journey in this world. Any thoughts, Aim? Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking, it's interesting because the first thing that came up for me when you were talking about like who has influenced you was this one experience I had that would not typically be described as spiritual or religious. And so I think that's, I think that's really interesting in and of itself, because I think a lot of times these major shifts in life don't come from the places that we expect them. But it's kind of this story that I go back to all the time when I'm speaking with people because it was such a shift for me. It was when I was in Australia and my habit up until that point, you know, when I was a kid, what was I, four? I was in a play with the Sunday school and the director said to me, Amy, one day you'll be a director, but today is not that day. (laughs) I do remember that. So I really, like since little childhood, I had this tendency to tell people how I felt and tell them what they should do based on what I saw as the right thing. And I thought that that was really a blessing to others. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I think I, I honestly did not realize that there was a different option. If you saw a situation and you saw how it could be done better, differently, you, you had to share that. Right. That was my understanding. You come by that honestly from your grandmother and me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I was in Australia. I would have been 24 at the time. And I was working at this vegan cafe. And I had been there for a series of months. And me and this friend of mine named Micah, we were really not running the place, but, you know, we, w- we would be there alone. We, we had our understanding of the place and we were able to run it. And we knew what was going on. You know, we were like senior level people in the cafe staff. And one day a volunteer came to help and she hadn't been there in maybe six, eight months. And so she didn't know either of us. She didn't know that we worked there day in and day out. And the manager wasn't there. And so she immediately took on this role of being in charge. Like she took on the burden of making the cafe run because she felt like the person who was supposed to be in charge wasn't there. And so she needed to help. And she started to do stuff and say stuff as if like she was doing us a favor by being in charge. And she was doing things the old way and she was doing things wrong. And I was thinking like, oh, she doesn't know. She's not in charge. We are actually here every day. She doesn't realize that we know what we're doing. And I said to my friend, Micah, like, I'm just going to tell her, you know, we're actually here every day. So we know how this is done. And he said, you don't need to tell her. She can just do what she wants. She thinks that she's in charge today and that's okay. And she seems to be enjoying it. And it just blew my mind. (laughs) Blew my mind. I had never had the experience before where I knew something more than someone else. I saw a perspective more clearly than someone else. I had information that could change the situation and did not share it. (laughs) And it was this like amazingly liberating experience. And it made me realize that I wasn't in charge. I wasn't the controller. I wasn't God. You know, and it really freed me. And, and, and since then, I mean, I, I was 24, so it's been eight years since then. And I do it all the time now in my life where I'm in a group situation, I'm on a Sunday service, I'm in a meeting and I see something that jumps out at me as like the better way. And instead of sharing it, I just choose to kind of sit back and let it be. And it's amazing what happens. Like so many times the things that come to the surface are actually much better than I would have ever come up with. And I wonder how many times in my life I've actually blocked other people's expression. Yeah and creativity because I insisted on being the loudest voice in the room. Yeah. Wow. Um, I think we ended last, last session with the story of Zacchaeus um, and how Jesus didn't, you know, tell him all the things that he had done wrong and, and call him to conversion. Um, Jesus simply said, I want to have lunch with you. And did and let Zacchaeus come to those things that that would help him be free from his old life. I never got that message that you just shared that we don't have to tell everybody everything right away. You know, that we can let them learn and grow and come to those realizations on their own. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's really when you break it down, like the assumptions behind that behavior are really awful because it's really assuming that like the God within me is much more present, that I have more knowledge. I have more understanding. I know you and your perspective better than you even know it. But in the moment, it feels like helping. Yeah. It's also, in my experience, you become a much more likable person (laughs) if you don't do that. I mean, people don't like that, of course. Right. And so I think it's, it's surprising how, you know, everybody wants to be liked and everybody wants to have friends. And I think it's surprising how much more likable and friendly you become simply by closing your mouth sometimes. Ooh. That's a pretty harsh thing to say to a preacher. <laughs> I'm saying it. I mean, I'm saying it to myself, you know. No, I understand. And, and that's one of the dangers of being a preacher. Because when you're in the pulpit at that time, people do expect you to share your understanding of truth from the scriptures and apply it to their lives. Yeah. But that's in that specific time and place. But you get so used to doing that, that you do that at the marketplace and in your house and on the ball field and in the locker room and at work and everywhere else. You think you have the truth and it'll be liberating for everyone else if they would just hear it and do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is really interesting. I never considered that as for myself as like a potential future minister, yeah, that you'll have to be able to navigate those roles going in and out of those roles. Right. When is the appropriate time to share clearly your perspective and when is it not? Right. But I mean, honestly, when I think about it, I can see the damage that that pattern for me has caused in my relationships with my siblings. I remember when I was little with Andrew and like you saying, where do you guys want to eat? And mom saying, oh, I don't care. And Maybe Andrew saying something, but like saying it quietly or something. And I was literally the loudest voice. Yep. And so I would yell out where I wanted to go. And then that's where we would go. And I remember Andrew would whine about it later. And I would think or probably say, why didn't you say what you wanted? Right. Just say it, you know? Right. I never understood, like, why couldn't he just be as loud as me? And then we would duke it out. Like, but then I, I see that with Anna Capri, too. Like, you know, she was going along in her life as like this sweet kind of quiet girl. And then all these Hollises came into it. And even now, like how loud does she need to be in order to be heard over the rest of us? And not everyone has that same tendency or that same personality. And it's, I think it's our job as the loudest person in the room to quiet down, to hear the others. Right. I mean, that's, I think what you experienced in your Quaker meeting. Right. Right. And in Bible studies, when I listen more than I talk, when we share the scripture and then I don't tell everyone what the scripture means, but I ask the question, what do you hear God saying about this scripture? That's when we have great Bible studies. Mm -hmm. Instead of living in that world where I have to share this truth that is so evident to me. And there may be times when you do have to do that, but it's not every time. 
um, you know, it's it's best and most productive if I look for what other people have to say. If I'm strong in what I believe and know, that should give me more freedom to listen to what other people think and know yeah. rather than me being less likely to listen. Right, right. Well, it's interesting that we started this conversation with you trying to be more open-minded about conservative Christians, because I think sometimes that can be the um, discomfort, I know at least for myself, around Christians who are declaring their desire for Christ outwardly and loudly in the streets. You know, it can be challenging for me to navigate that. I remember one time at Daytona Beach, I was walking along the boardwalk and a man with a big sign came up to me and said, are you saved? Are you saved? And I said, oh, my, actually, my dad is a minister. And he said, that doesn't mean you're saved. <laughs> and I was like, good point. You got me there. Yep, that was my out. Uh, you caught me. But I think a lot of times that's that is one of the reasons why conservative Christians get lumped into that kind of box that you were describing in the beginning, because the big, loud, projecting members of their community often get the most attention, which is totally seen on the other side, too. I mean, PETA, PETA gets that, you know, <laughs> because they're like doing big public displays of aggression and so then vegans sometimes get a bad name because of that you know so i think we're often yeah we lump these people into the groups of their loudest members it's a big disservice to the others right we forget the spectrum and it's funny as you're talking i mean i'm most like my mother and my mother was very much guilty of knowing clearly what she believed, knowing what was right and wrong, and letting you know when you were wrong. (laughs) She was good at that. She was good at seeing what was missing and telling you what to do to fill in the gap. Mm -hmm. She was also an extremely loving, caring, would do anything for anyone who was in need um, kind of person. And and those two things went together in her life. But when I think about the people who influenced my spiritual journey and my life the most, I think of two um, guys when I was a teenager, um, Lee Grant and Frenchie Pope, who were Sunday school teachers of mine. Um, and, and those are the biggest influences in my life, in my journey, because, and, and those two guys specifically, when I think of them, when I think of my dad and my mom too, those people that have influenced my life the most are not people who told me how to live, even though that was a weakness of my mom's, um, but they're people who lived what they believe. Yeah. And I just got to watch that yeah, and learn from that. You know, the thing that I love most about my parents is that what I heard on Sunday morning from them, they lived the rest of the week. Well, I had minister friends, you know, children of ministers and chaplains who their fathers would preach love and and care on Sunday morning and then beat them all week. Right. You know, I can't, I can't imagine trying to learn from that. Yes. You know, but my parents were very consistent mm. in what they said on Sunday morning and how they lived Wednesday afternoon. Wow. And Frenchie Pope and Lee Grant 
came into my life at an extremely important time. They taught Sunday school, so obviously they shared with us Bible stories and what they thought God was saying. But Frenchie was also a baseball umpire in my little league. And Lee was just, Mr. Grant was just a, a sailor in the Navy. Mm. You know, and those two guys came at a point in time when I was rebelling as a teenager and didn't want to be anything like my father. Mm. I knew I was supposed to be a minister, but I didn't want to be anything like my dad. Mm. So I was about to turn away from everything my dad stood for until I met Frenchie and Lee and found out that, oh, you can believe in God, love the Bible, read the stories, try to do what God wants you to do, and not have to be a pastor. Yeah. You could just be a normal guy. Yeah. I could be a baseball player and be a Christian. <laughs> and they opened up life for me. Yeah. So that I didn't have to become a pastor. Yeah. Which then opened the door for me to choose to be a pastor. Yeah. So, so this week, I would encourage you all to make a list of those people that have influenced you in a positive way and figure out what it was about those people that affected you the way it affected you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Big Fish Little Pod. We are super excited about this podcast and the community we are hoping to form around it. We really want you to reach out and share your responses and reflections. Right now we have three main ways to do that. You can either comment right on the podcast post on Facebook, which will be posted weekly on my dad's Bob Hollis Facebook page. You can private message him through Facebook as well, or you can email us at bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. We will be releasing a new episode each week, and we are so excited and grateful for all of your support. Thank you so much. If you remember in the last podcast, uh, we talked about, about, oh gosh, what did we talk about? <laughs> what did we talk about? I listened to it so many times. <laughs> that was terrible. Dad, what did we talk about last time? Oh, identity. Identity. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>